Hey gang, how are you doing tonight? I want to give you an example about something. I love medicine. Anything when it comes to TV shows and things I could read or study, look up on the internet, I love things about medicine. So tonight we're going to talk about some subjects, but I want to give you an example. Imagine that you've had a cut. And the first thing they teach you is that when you have a cut to apply pressure to stop the bleeding, and then you clean the wound, and then you put probably some kind of ointment on it to keep it so it won't be infected. Put the bandaid on and hope it heals. Well, imagine after some time, you feel that something is stinking and something is hurting and it's just not feeling. And you pull the bandage back and you find out that it's not healing like it's supposed to be. It's actually infected. Well, imagine that you say that and you say, oh, I'll just put the bandaid back on there and forget about it. Then later on it gets worse and it spreads and all of a sudden your whole hand may be affected and you may lose your hand. We're not going that far. But for the conversation tonight, I wanted to say something. You're going to get a two for one here. I put the title for episode 26 saying, Consume with Grief and a Careless Life for a Reason. Because what I want to talk about and what I've talked about in the past weeks and what will come in the forward is that if you don't tend to some things that are wounds that you have on the inside, then it will be hard for you to have that part of you healed so that you can hear information that God wants you to hear. So that's why tonight I wanted to talk about some things. Now immediately when you probably saw the title, you thought, oh, we're going to talk about death. And that my daughter said, oh, we're going to talk about depression. Not so much. Yes and no. Many people think that in order to grieve, you're grieving about somebody that's died. Somebody you love, a family member, friend, somebody in your life that's died. But people grieve over many things. You can grieve over relationships that failed. You can grieve over a sexual assault in your past that you were violated and injured by somebody that you loved or trusted or stranger. You can be sad because your mom and dad left you and you didn't have that mother or father like everybody else in school did. Or you could be at a loss and grieving of your health where you used to be healthy or the soldiers coming back from war, they used to have limbs and now they're changed or they used to have this appearance and it's changed because of a, a IED or something has just changed where well, you have a loss, a loss of a friend, a loss of changing schools, a loss of your life just going upside down. So many people grieve over different things. And what happens is in your grief, it's like that wound. You never get it treated and cleaned up. And I'm saying to you tonight that we're going to be learning of how the Lord wants to clean us up, how he wants to soothe us, how he wants to be that ointment of love to us. But many of us are so injured and wounded and it's on the inside deep. And you're in the protective bubble of saying, I don't want anybody ever to get that close to me to hurt me ever again. Because you're in this grief stage. And you could go to work every day. You can have a family and have the children, have the job, have the makeup, do all these things. And only the Lord knows that you're grieving and you're consumed by it. Consumed to the point that you can't go forward in your life. And you're living a careless life. And when I mean careless, I'm not just saying that you're taking situations and putting yourself at risk but you're not living to your fullest. You're not living an abundant life because right now that life is in a stagnant position. You're at your guarded stage. You're at your stage where I really don't want to hear about 
God. I don't want to hear about that religious stuff. I don't want to hear about Jesus and love because where was he when this happened in my life? Where was God when that pain came to my life? Where was he? And some of that is you are so consumed with the grief and the anger and the bitterness and the despair and the loss that he's saying, we need to talk. I need to cleanse you of the unforgiveness you have about the past. I need to heal you. I need to soothe your aching heart. So I wanted to say that now because when it comes to these times of holidays, people are at a loss for friendship and, and fellowship and all these things that are on in the side, inside of them, they're dwelling on them. And you're like, how do you know? Because Satan is a thief. And his whole purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's exactly what he's doing. When we talked yesterday, we heard the message of God from Reverend Audrey Johnson. And he was talking about the statistics of people successfully killing themselves and people unsuccessfully killing themselves. People in the ministry, families, children, adults, everyone cutting themselves. All of this is a reason that God knows we're suffering. But God said, the Father said, I've sent my son. And some of the things we're going to talk about tonight is for us to realize that there's a path. And I have the part of the service that we're going to talk about the most is going to be in Matthew 7. But before we get there, I want to talk about some things that are going to give you some opportunities to have wisdom in your life. You can choose to be a fool and not listen to God, or you can choose to reach toward the light of God, the love of God the sweet fellowship and communion of God and exercise wisdom of letting him into those painful parts of your life so that you can get healed. So the first thing I wanted to show you is going to be in Philippians. Many of us know of Paul, but I wanted you to hear some words from Paul because in past teachings, you've known that Paul, who was a persecutor of the way, the Christian church, he went through a lot when he got converted. He found himself shipwrecked, in the ocean for days, beaten, stoned, in prison, all kinds of things happened to Paul. And if you read the epistles that he wrote, you'll see his letters and you'll see how he talks about it. But I want you to go to Philippians chapter one, and I want you to hear from your brother, Paul, about those of us who are finding ourselves consumed in grief. Just listen to a couple of words he says to you. He says in verse 12, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. There are things in your life that you're in pain over. And like Paul says, if you let the Lord heal you and let him minister to you, you will find that he'll use those same hurts and pain for you to be a blessing to somebody else and to further the gospel of Jesus Christ because you'll have a living testimony. Well, I want you to jump over to verse 27, because when you see what Paul's going to say is that even in spite of him being in jail, he's in jail right now, he's going to talk about your conduct, how you live. Some of us listening are Christians, say that we love Jesus Christ, but we still are consumed by that inner grief that we have over the losses in our life. And some of you don't know who Jesus Christ is. So I'm trying to reach both. Verse 27 says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, this is Paul talking to the letter, 
to the people of Philippi. He says, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. But listen to verse 29. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. There are going to be times in your life that you're going to suffer, and it's not going to be your fault. But it's for you to go through those storms of your life with Christ, for you to develop. Remember how we learned in James 1? The, the trials and the tribulations that you go through are to make you stronger to help you have perseverance to go on. And the next time you get to another valley in your life, you know that there's a mountain, that you know there's something to look forward to. I want you to turn over to Ephesians, and I want you to see chapter 5, and verse 14 through 18. When I go to Sunrise Assisted Living, this is not advertisement, but I deal with a lot of senior citizens. And a lot of them, if you know, are sleep a lot. And I often tell them that this is a time that you need to redeem the time and live because there's going to be times that you're going to wish that you could get up and walk and do and say and sing. I said, so don't sleep your life away. But I'll read this scripture out loud and I'll say, <coughs> excuse me, thank you. Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Tonight is about making a choice to be wise or unwise. But you could be sleeping through your life. And there's a show called The Walking Dead. You can be walking, but still dead. Dead in your sins, dead in your trespasses. All that is if you don't know the Lord. But even those of us who know the Lord, if we don't allow... God, to heal those inner pains that we have, we can find that they're festering. And the festering pain that we have is imputing, or let me break it down, it is messing with, blocking, shortening out the ability for God to use us as witnesses because we're so guarded, we're so afraid. But we gotta get out of that because the time is drawing nigh and we have to redeem the time so that we can share the gospel of Christ. For those who have your Bible, go to Romans chapter 12, because I wanted you to read verses 1 through 2 in chapter 12. It says here, and we're going to go to Matthew. I'm going really quickly. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you allow yourself to be given over to the Lord, he will reach into you, your very core, and he'll start to minister to you. And part of it that you have to realize is just not your physical body. It's a renewing of the mind because God has a purpose for your life. And it's important for you to realize that. But in order for that to happen, you have to say, God, just like a robber, I surrender. I yield. Let me 
let you, God, come into my life. So that's why I said that, because when I start to read the scriptures, depending on where you're coming from, it'll go in one ear and out the other. It's not just the cares of this world. It's that when you talk about those seeds, some of them don't get depth because you all have the rocks, those rocks and those stony places of your life that you just, that's your protection. I'm not going to let anybody hurt me is what you say on the inside. I'm not going to let anybody get close. I'm, I, I can't get over him taking my mother. I can't get over God, you hurting me like this. You allowing this. And you have to realize that God never wants to hurt you. This is an evil age. But even with some of the people that we've lost in our lives, God is still letting us have an opportunity closer to him. My husband said something to me. He said, Anita, when he dies, whatever the day that may be, he asked me a question. And he said, Anita, it would be for your development. And that stuck to me. I was saying, I realize I would grieve anybody I lost, but it would be for my development. Some of us have lost things, people, positions, and have failed. But those failures and those situations and those losses weren't meant to destroy you. Satan may have wanted you to be destroyed, but God knew that it was an opportunity for you to realize that he was there for you. Now let's ju jump over to Matthew chapter 7. I wanted to talk about being wise and unwise and the two gates, the narrow gate and the wide gate. Because even as we talk about those who are consumed by grief and living a careless life, they don't care about life. Whatever happens, happens. You know, what is this? So what? That kind of existence. You're in a gate that's wide and broad. And that gate has no concern for Jesus Christ, has no concern for his word, no, no concern for the truth. You would rather listen to nonsense on the TV, on the radio, go to the movies, see nonsense, go and talk about nonsense, 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 nonsense. Wide is that gate. And you're going to hear the scripture says it leads to destruction. But there's this narrow gate. When it comes to the things of God, God is a jealous God. He's not going to let you have all these idols before him. And he's very, he's the light. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through the Son. And there's a narrow path. Not because he doesn't want you to get saved, but he's not going to let you just bring in nonsense. And there are people in the church that are playing games, and they think that, oh, they got God fooled. God, God, God. God knows that I done punched my ticket. Me and the man upstairs are just great. And God said, there's a narrow gate. And baby or, or, or a brother, you're dealing with the wide gate. Now look what it says in verse 13. It says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult. Did you hear this word? Let me say it slowly. It says, it narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. The reason why they don't find it is because they don't seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And it says, and all these things shall be added unto him. But we seek after the things that Help us to pat ourselves on the back, back with our selfish ambition. Help us to puff ourselves up and make ourselves look good. Help us to tell everybody, I got this, that, and everything else. Help us to make them look low and you look high. 
make God look low and you look high. But God says, and only a few who find it, meaning that narrow gate, meaning who will seek after him, who is the light, who will seek after the light of the world. But it says here, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. And these are the people who fester and feed that negativity in you, that bitterness in you, that careless life piece of you. Oh man, let's go get some drugs. Oh man, let's go do this. Let's go steal some of this. Oh, let's go do this. Oh, let's talk about this person. Oh, let's, let's make them feel low. Oh, let's ignore them. Let's bully that person. Let's, let's do all these things that are mischievous and evil and just downward dark. And there are a lot of people, and they're talking about false prophets. These are people that pretend to have a form of godliness, but they're denying the power thereof. And the Lord says they come looking like sheep, look like they're innocent, look like they don't know. But in really, in reality, they are ravenous wolves. And it says here, it talks about the trees. What kind of tree are you? What kind of fruit are you bearing in your witness for Jesus Christ? Who are you? Remember that? Remember that uh, Stephen last week that we said? Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? What tree? When he starts talking about tree, what kind of tree and what kind of fruit are you bearing? You're saying that you're a grape tree, but you're throwing out all this evil. You say that you love God, but everything about you is everything that repels anybody that wants to know who the living God is. What kind of tree are you? What kind of tree are you for real? It says here, verse 16, you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from the thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. That tells you who are the people you're hanging around with. Who are the people that you know are not good for your life? God is trying to have you listen to what he's telling you. If it's you he's talking to, he's saying, what kind of fruit are you bearing? Be true to who he is, not false, because he knows who's not his. And he's going to tell you in a minute, for those who think that they got him fooled, you don't have him fooled at all. But look what it says here in verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, similar to what we learned in Luke 15, John 15. Therefore, by the fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now here's where you got to be careful. Those of you who are pretending, God is not fooled. He says in verse 22, many, remember that wide gate where many are going through the road to destruction? It says many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? People that prophesied and used to go to church. Have we not prophesied in your name? It says here, have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? 
Didn't you see that I got the usher board? Didn't you see I got a lifetime membership of missionary service? Didn't you see that I got the pew? Didn't you see I gave some money? Didn't you see me serving the hot plates at Thanksgiving? Didn't you see all the stuff I've been doing for you? Was that for Jesus? Or was that for you to tell everybody that you had to do all these good things? Were you like the Pharisees on the corner letting everybody know all the stuff you're doing? But was that for Jesus or that for you? Here in verse 23 it says, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on rocks. Now here's the difference where Jesus talks about the wise versus the unwise. He's so clear. If you really have a heart to know who Christ is, he's very clear. But it's only for the people who are of his family that will actually have it hit their heart and they'll have an ear to hear that's not just this physical ear. And will understand the mysteries of the kingdom of the living God. But he says here, Everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does, the, and does not do them will be likened a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So you have the one side, if you build it on verse 24, if you do what he says, you'll be building your house on the rock, and that's the rock of the Lord. Or if you're a foolish man in verse 26, it says, and does not, you do not hear what he's saying. You'll be a foolish man, built your house on the sand. And we have a lot of people in that broad, wide gate who are consumed with grief, who are living this careless life, like, I don't give a flip. And you're like, I don't care what Jesus has to say. I'm going to do my thing. And you're building your house and your life on sand. And one day, just like Noah in the flood situation, the rain is going to come and you're going to have to give an account for your life. And God is going to say, did you accept my son? Did you listen to him? Did you hear him? Did you believe? Did you trust? Did you repent? Or did you just say, I don't need to listen to them. I, I can listen to those who tell me evil. And I'll have an itching ear to hear them. But I don't want to hear what thus saith the Lord. So I wanted to say, I asked my daughter Faith, how can I greet you when I start this? And I wanted to say to you, every time that I come here, I want to say something to say, stop. Stop and hear what thus saith the Lord. Forget about the messenger, the body of the message, but hear the word of the Lord. I want you to just stop because some of you are so lonely, you can't sleep. At 12 o'clock midnight, at 1 o'clock, you, you're up because you're unsettled. Because God is trying to woo you and the Holy Spirit is trying to wrestle you to come to him. And say, I pulled the band-aid off. It's stinking. Your life is stinking. I need to have Jesus Christ clean you up is what the Father's saying. I want you to heal. I want you to live. But if the choice of you thinking that you are going to exalt yourself above God, God is the only one that's going to live on the throne. He is the only true and living God and he cannot be replaced by nonsense. And I just pray. Last week I listened to the teaching because I, I was 
almost ready to cry last week because something about the message of truth and the urgency gets me every time. And there are people that listen, but you don't hear. And you say, oh, that's just Nita. It's not me. Believe me, it's not me. I have, I'm a sinner saved by the same grace of Jesus Christ as you. But I get so concerned that there are people that I love. There are people that I will never meet. But God is trying to tell you, he's got this gift for you. It's not about Christmas. He's got this gift. And he's offering this gift of his salvation. And he says, my son has given his life for you. And it's freely given to you. And he wants you to take it. But you just let it, you just look at it and say, that looks nice, but I don't want it. I'm ending the teaching tonight on Philippians chapter 2. And I wanted to end it because <clears throat> I wanted you to hear about this gift. Because as you, as you are wounded, as many of us have been in our lives, Jesus was wounded too. And he was treated very badly by creatures who he created. But in spite of that, he still went to the cross. So I want you to see in verse 5 of chapter 2 of Philippians, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, he was in deity in heaven, but he was in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God. He was equal with God. He was God Almighty. They're one. They are one. But he made himself of no reputation. All the things that he did, he did because he loved you. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. He was nobody. But he was somebody. And coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. That's for you. He humbled himself for me and became obedient to the point of death for you. Even the death of the cross. And that cross was for you. That if it had just been you, he wanted to come and humble himself so you know that somebody loves you. That you don't have to be consumed with the grief of the loss in your life because he's come for you. And he suffered for you so you don't have to. So I just pray that something's been said today. The word will not return void. And something has been said today to reach you. To grab hold of you. To love you. To let you know you can let Jesus Christ in. Because he cares for you. He loves you. God bless. And I'll see you next week.